0: All right, let's go. I'm just going to hit real quickly what, just kind of remind us, because it's been a couple of weeks since we spoke of this. But in in Romans, uh, uh, the things I would draw attention to, first of all, is that Christ died for us at the right time, when we were powerless and ungodly. And why is that important to understand that? Because if he would die for us when we were not his yet, and we'd die for us when we were doing wrong things and we were belonged to the enemy. If you die for us then, the scriptures go on to say how much more now that we've been joined with him, that we're part of him, would he forgive us? Would he give us power to live? Would he, would he, would he enable us to walk? Those are all inferences on that. God was his own love for us while we're yet sinners. So you have that contrast. When we're enemies, he reconciled us. How much now, since he, we are saved through his life, can we rejoice in him and receive reconciliation without worry? Now, Romans is a, is a book that tries to build this thing because they, like us, had the same sufferings, that they would fall short. In Romans, it displays that the whole law was giving that man would know that they didn't measure up. That was the reason for the rules and regulation. It was an outward rule and regulation, just like when man fell and ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It was an outward thing, pressing in. And the, what was showing you, what's on the outside cannot change what's on the inside. In, book, uh, in Romans, it really makes that point that that law and the rules and the regulations that point towards us were powerless to change us. In matter of fact, it serves something else was to let us know that we were powerless to change by rules and regulations and our own willpower. Now, we always try to do it. When we face sins in our lives right now, we try over and over and over again to get right by doing the right things. But it doesn't work that way. Matter of fact, the truth of it is, it works in opposition. The scriptures go on to say, if you try to be made right by what you do, you cut yourself off from Christ. What that means is you put yourself back under the law. Those that are under the law have to live by the law and are unredeemed. Those that are under Christ are under grace. Now, this is an important thing to get in our heads. Because what that says in our own languages is if we're trying to perform to get God's favor, we missed. But if we take the free gift that God gives us, then we're forgiven. It's the free gift plus nothing. The work requires you to continue to work. It's like two separate games. You don't mix basketball and you don't mix football. Basketball rules are for basketball, football for football. You don't take one and grab here and pull the other and pull together other set of rules. No, you live under one. If you're playing basketball, playing that high game, you live under one thing. It's called grace. And so in Romans, it's developing that understanding that it's grace. We looked at, I'm going to come back with that. We looked at through one man in Romans uh, 6, 12 through 14. says, through one man sin entered the world and death through sin. That way death came to all men. We said this. That what happened was, Adam was the very first gatekeeper. He broke the commandment, did what was not pleasing to God, and had himself defiled and the gate to the world defiled. He was a gatekeeper. We talked about gatekeeping. Uh, It's on the web if you want to go look up on breakpointbridge.com. You can look at some of the messages on what gatekeeping is. But the idea is there was a gate from heaven to earth, that became defiled. When it became defiled, it was closed off to God and was opened up to hell. See, you're either for God or against him. There's not this middle road that we seem to think. There's a road of doing things God's way or the world's way. The world, self, uh, darkness, <laughs> kingdom of the uh, of darkness, uh, Satan, whatever you want to call, because all those are synonymous with what this world is is a, is when that gate is open then hell flows through our life. We see that in the world today. Hell flows freely. It says in that same chapter that Adam was a type of one to come. And the type was of Christ, a heavenly gatekeeper. Okay? He was a gatekeeper that brought sanctification to the gate of your life and opportunity to the world that you can be changed. First thing that happened on the cross is he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what to do. So that gives us an understanding that the first thing we do is give forgiveness out. Then we die. (laughs) That's the hard part. We allow the Lord to bring us to an end of ourselves, that it would be sanctified. Because Romans talks about, and the kingdom talks about, and the scriptures talk about, that there's only one way to salvation. There's no other. And it's through Christ. And it's through his blood that we're saved. And the process of the blood being sprinkled over us is the process of sanctification or purification. Just as in the Old Testament, they put it over the altar. It's the same thing, too. And that's a gate, too. We'll go into that sometime later. It's a little more difficult to understand. But so, we had, it said in Romans 20, the sin reigned in death because it was defiled. The gate was closed. They haven't opened hell. Grace reigns to righteousness. So that gets us up to... Kind of day, up to date. Though it's not quite how I talked about it before. It's another angle on it. Now I want to hit here. Romans 5.20. Then we're going to go to one. The law was added so that trespasses might increase. And that's read correctly. It, the law was added so that the trespasses might increase. That's what I said. Spoke of a second ago he gave that why so we would not we would not think it's about us at all he put the law in to show the harder you try the more you understand about what you're not to do you're going to do it in in, in, in short you empower what you focus on you empower what your eyes are on. you empower what you focus on. If your eyes is on the rules and laws and the ways of, the, of, the, of uh, do's and don'ts, then you're going to be empowered by the don'ts. If your eyes are upon Christ, you'll be empowered by Christ. So it says, so that we would know the difference, the law was put in there to show God's grace and mercy. And who had more power? That's also the other part. The kingdom of God is far stronger than the kingdom of the world. They are not in the same competition. They're, not in, the, they're in competition in a way. Because you've never seen someone that, that tries to compete against someone that they really can't compete against and doesn't know it? That's really what's happened here. The enemy doesn't know. He really has no competition. He thinks he's going to win. He thinks he's got this thing. He's got a trick coming down the, the way. that is going to empower him to win. But that's a lie. It's not true. It's not going to happen. Because we have a God of all time. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He occupies all time from the beginning to the end. He knows all things and sees all things. Every play he can pull, God can pull another one. But in truth, as I mentioned at the cross, it was a sucker punch when he took Jesus out. It was a sucker punch because he... He he came against Jesus with total unrighteousness to someone who is totally clean. And because of that, and because the foundation of God's throne is righteousness and justice, and they say in multiple places in the scriptures that that cannot be overthrown. It's the only permanent things of permanent things. So when he came against that, what he did is he thought he won, but he lost. And that's what we'll be like in the end. Some way, by some right. That he thinks he has, he will think that he's going to pull it off, but in truth he won't. That gets us to 6, 1, Romans 6 1. And I'm going to need somebody to read the scriptures. Lois is the best at it. Yes, I'll agree. 6 1 through 10. Huh? You sound good on the tape. Have you listened to it? See, if you did, you would. Okay.
1: For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died he died to sin once for all but the life that he lives he lives to god
0: where are you at now 10 10 okay, okay. good
1: likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin but alive to god in christ jesus our lord
0: okay for some reason that kind of goes over top of us a lot so what does it say first of all as it answers shall we go on sinning? what's the answer why because we died to sin how can we live in it anymore okay so the reason he goes and begins to speak this way is because he just said that the law was added so sin might increase okay saying that that's why I was here and his answer was well should we just go on sinning because you know his grace will uh, you know increase a lot more I mean, that is the logical argument that some of the world actually said to them. Shall we just go on? Shall we continue and sin? Because, you know, after all, the more I sin, the more grace there is. The reason he had to speak of it this way, is because of the truth, the sharpness of, of, of the gospel. The gospel is true, that it is truly grace, period. It's not the other. And, he, and he's saying here, if, if we have this law, well, maybe we could go on and do it tomorrow. We'll even show more grace. But no, he says, because we're not, we have died to it. How can we continue in it? So, in a sense, it says, though, in a way, or as Paul says in another place, all things are beneficial, all things are legal, but not all things are beneficial, is the idea is that you can't continue in something that you've died to. And it'll build a case about that a little bit later on here so we died to it we can't continue in it it says by how we we're baptized into christ correct okay baptized in his death buried with him so when he was raised what when he raised when when he was raised from the dead what happened Besides him becoming raised to the dead, what happened? When Christ died, if he's still down on the ground, what would you guys be? Dead to sin. We'd be be still in sin. We'd be dead. We don't make it. But he rose. Okay, and so that means you are what? Alive in Christ. Okay, just as you were buried with him, and you identify with his death, if you identify with his resurrection, you're in him. It is what? It's not your record anymore, right? If you take on someone else's, let's say we have identity theft, (laughs) uh, and you take on someone's identity, well, then you have their credit, you have their pension, you have all that stuff. Now, of course, that's illegal to do. But this is legal. What literally happens here is we get his identity. Because you'll notice everything in the Scriptures is in and through Christ. We live in and through him. It says, no longer us who lives, right? Right. Remember that scripture? No longer us who live, it's rather Christ that lives within us. So, dead people are not under laws, are they? If someone's dead, a scripture they give later is, if, 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 if a husband dies, the wife is free to remarry, right? You've read that before. It also says that, you know, When you die, there's no rule or regulation anymore because you're dead. Well, you're dead. Dead. He means dead. And you're alive in Christ. So the baptism with him is that you would die with him, that you would no longer have an identity of your own. Your identity is in him. The, the identity. <laughs> now you got me. Made me think. Forget what I was like. saying. <laughs> it was even more profound. <laughs> the identity. Can you imagine Christ being guilty of sin? Then you can't imagine you being guilty of sin. If you stay in Him. If you stay in Him. It's his record, not yours. If you stay in him, you are clean because you're not alive anymore. You've just made a transaction with God. We've all heard about the transactions certain movie stars make with the devil. And the devil somewhat keeps his. Do you think God doesn't keep his promises? His promise is that if you give up your life for his, you get his reward and his benefit and his blessing. And his benefit is that there's no sin anymore in you. That's why Paul can say it in another place in there, it says, you know, all things are legal, but not all things are beneficial. Why are they legal? they're legal? Because I'm not under the law anymore. I'm dead to it. But they're not beneficial. And this is what this builds here. If you go on sinning, it's going to cost you. Because it's going to go on and say that if you go on sinning, you're not you're really not of the seed of God. It's not to please God that you obey anymore, and as far as to try to win your right to be okay in God's sight, it's for a love of Him. It's a big difference. The end effect as far as your life is the same. You know, you begin to sin less. But it's not to sin less because you want to please them. Because at the moment you do that, you've blown it. You've walked over there out of basketball into football. Those do not. One you tackle, one you carry the ball, and one you bounce it. They're totally different games. The game that you've been entered into, is called the New Covenant. That new covenant, that new rule, that new game, that new play that's going on causes you to be in him. And it causes you to be so free of sin that you don't have to turn around and look at all the lousy me. You just say to God, forgive me. It's already forgiven, the truth is. But you say it because you love him. But it's forgiven before you ask, why? Because you're not in him anymore. I mean yourself anymore. You're in him. You're in Christ Jesus. United in his death, certainly you'll also be in his resurrection. Do you think the writer's lying? No. He means that. You just got to hear it. You got to choose to believe the truth. It's too good to be true. And this is one of those too good to be true that is true. How can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine to the, the Jewish nation that this message that came out there? One, that they have rules and regulations, they have tassels around, they have laws to protect the laws, to protect the laws, because they were afraid of sinning and coming short. And, and, and basically, I said, because you do this, you've blown it. That's why the righteousness must surpass the Pharisees' righteousness. Surpass it to the heart. The so righteousness that comes from Christ. Only. No other way. There's no other way. It goes on to say, you're no longer slaves to sin. Anyone who has died has been freed from sin. If we died with Christ, we'll also live with him. That's what it says. If we died with him, we'll also live. If we died with him, we'll also live with him. Have you guys been baptized? Have you said yes to the Lord? And the baptism was that death in the water, down in the water, buried with him, and you came out, you're resurrected with him. No longer you that lives, but Christ lives within you. If you identify with that, whether you feel like it or not, doesn't matter. This is a place it doesn't matter how you feel. Because I'll guarantee you when you first start moving into this, your feelings will not go with the truth. Your feelings will conform to the truth sooner or later. But they don't go with it first. Your feelings go with what you've been trained at and your guilt and all the other stuff. Until you come to that place that you just don't have that guilt anymore. You've got freedom. Why is it important? If you're sons of God, you've got to know you're sons of God. You've got to not think because the enemy says, look at that, look at this and look at that. You're dead. He wants to pull you away. But if you're sons of God and you know you walk through Christ, then you have some new freedom that far surpasses anything you've ever known or ever understood. A freedom that Christ died for that you would understand. This is not a little important. This is major important. Because you are judged what you believe. If you believe that you're still in your sin, guess what? You're stuck there. You've got to believe the truth. And the truth will set you free. That's what it says. That's what it meant. It so meant exactly what it says. This truth, if you will dwell on it, if you will ask God to move it in your heart, will set you free. What a freedom we have in Christ. How many of you have felt that in the past? What a freedom. No, most people don't. They feel bound. They feel, un- they feel condemned. They feel unbelieved. But it's a lie from the pit of hell and our own little self does really good at adding on to it. The truth is you are free in him. The truth is you're free in him. We're no longer bound to sin. We've been set free from it. We've died to, from it. We're no longer held by it. No longer slaves to sin. Christ was, a, was raised from the dead, cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him, it says. No longer. It no longer has mastery over you. That's the gospel. That's the gospel that we proclaim. That's why it's called the good news, because it really is good news. It's tremendous freedom from, from the lie and from the drudgery of sin. I would suggest that you guys spend some time during this week. And I, I know I was not real good at this either when somebody told me, a pastor told me to, read and read over this more, but I'm telling you, you really need to. Uh, uh, spend some time in Romans 6 and go ahead, uh, all the way to the, uh, Romans 7, because the truth in here, we're going to go over this, but it, it, it's, it's something like, it's kind of like going to, it's kind of like going to a gym. You ever join a gym? They give you what? They give you a free thing with a, with a trainer. And they can tell you all these exercises, you're going to look real thin and be really healthy and really strong. If, just because you saw it, if, if you do them. This is the same way. There's no difference. I'm your trainer right now. If you do what the scriptures show, you will change. If you listen to it and allow, this it talks about, remember, the, remember the, the sower and the farmer, and they planted some seed, and the birds came and immediately took some of it. That was Satan coming, stealing that out of your mind. You know, if you allow that to happen, then you're going to lose it. And some was along a, a path, I think. was hardened in parts of your life. Didn't get a chance to work. The seed didn't go into it. Other parts were in rocks, and it was just the cares, you know, and, and bristles, the rocky hard places, and, and cares of the world were the, uh, that choked it out. Those all can happen to this truth. Or you can sit there and actually meditate on it. Meditate is a Christian word. I can't help it if the if the New Age people stole the word. They, matter of fact, I want you to understand something. Everything that the truth, the enemy has a counter, that looks just like it from the other side. So it, just because, matter of fact, you can almost say, if the enemy does it, be sure there's the opposite to it. There's a truth to it. And he always feels it. So You have to to allow this to go in. You have to meditate on it. And you have to ask God to grow that in your heart. Can worship band come up there? And uh, I just want to worship, do a song of worship. You can come forward if you like, whatever. Uh, But I would be asking God, as I'm asking God, that this becomes even a greater and greater reality in your life. So go ahead and stand. So just ask, as you stand and as the worship band comes, ask God to cause that to be a truth in your heart that never moves because it is the most important truth you'll ever know in the Scriptures. This is the central point of the Gospel. And this whole Romans, Romans, Galatians, uh, Ephesians, just really drive the Gospel in. And we want to learn this. We want to understand it because we want the freedom that God promises the freedom that he attended, uh, uh, intended for us. You know, I didn't have a rich father on earth. got a rich one in heaven. But when my father died, what he did have became an inheritance to me. You have a heavenly father that has, through his son, who died for us, and of course lives, has an inheritance for you. Now, if I don't take hold of that inheritance on earth or in heaven, it will do me no good. If it's locked up in some bank somewhere else, it'll never be part of my life. But if I take a hold of it and invest it, it'll multiply. And this truth will too. So as this last worship song, and you're free to go whenever you would like, but I would just ask that you would ask the Lord Plow this in to water it and to protect it that the enemy cannot steal it. That these words would come upon your mind day after day after day. Maybe you listen to it on the website again. It's free. You just download it. So, Lord, bless the people. I ask that you sow this in there and cover and protect and cause it to grow. In your holy name. Amen.